Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? Oh my god. Oh my god. Just start the fucking podcast, Danny. Stop making stupid noises, you moron. All right, Ruth, take it easy. You're not even fucking on the air anymore. You don't know shit. What up, Johns? What up, my fellow Johns? Welcome to the Fun Friday Pod. You know, week after week, this episode seems to do as well or sometimes better than the interview, so I guess I'm just going to continue it. I guess I'm, I'm just going to sit here alone in my apartment on a Wednesday night while my clothes dry and uh, have the Olympics on in the background and just talk into a microphone. I mean, why the fuck not, you know? Dude, like, I, I, I've been trying to, like, you know, I've been following the Winter Olympics. It's interesting, you know? I, I, I like working from home solely because if there are sporting events on during the day, I can have them on in the background. You know, that's lit. Whereas if you work in an office, all you can have on the background is maybe like CNBC. Usually there's like no TVs in an office environment or the TVs aren't even hooked up. It's like, dude, hook up the fucking TV. We're not going to sit in here and be fucking assholes and just watch soap operas all day. At least allow us access to cable television, you know? But anyways, tonight's the uh, gold medal game of women's hockey between Canada and the USA. And I have elected instead to just watch freestyle skiing. I just don't care about hockey, dude. I mean, I guess I try to think about, oh, it's so great. It's like the miracle on the ice. You know, all these years later, I'm patient. But hockey's just boring to me. Dude, freestyle skiing is cool. They're jumping around. I never watch it. It's nice to see stuff you don't usually get to watch, you know? They got cool helmets on and their goggles are like tinted. Sometimes they cover up their whole face like, whoa, dude, you're a badass. They're going backwards up over fucking ramps and shit. Nobody's going backwards over ramps in hockey, dude. Like, if you want to skate, get out there and fucking skate. Stop skating around on an oval, just pushing a puck around and knocking your teeth out. Do something lit. <laughs> All right. Dude, I'm such a loser. Tonight, I fucking... I was going to go meet uh, fellow comics Julio Gallarotti and Matt Pavich at uh, New York Comedy Club, the East Village location, just to look. Oh, I'm a, I'm a comedian. Look at me, dude. You know. I don't have a spot tonight, but I'm out and about. I'm mixing it up in the comedy club scene, you know? But first, I went to Marshall's to get a couple candles before they close at 930. That's always stressful. Listen, I can't candle shop if there's only 10 minutes where the place closes. I need I need some, like, time. I want to think through these scents. You know what I mean? And then I and then I go back to my apartment, and then Julia was like, oh, we went up to the stand. And I was going to go to the stand, but it's too far. It's fucking cold. I lost my wool cap. My ears were, like, stinging. I'm like, I'm not going to go there. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll just come on, Danny. Don't be a don't be a fucking. You know, you moved to New York to pursue comedy. Just because you don't have a spot tonight doesn't mean you shouldn't get out in the mix. So then I walked by New York Comedy Club East Village and I like went down the stairs and I looked in and I saw a couple of people that I knew. It was like Joe, the manager, and I think Rachel, the bartender, was there. But I don't know. I was just like, I don't know. There were I, I just walking into a social setting when you don't know anybody. I mean, I know there's a common you know complaint or whatever, but I don't know. I just like eh, if I can. I'm a block away from my apartment. I'm just going to go home. I'm just going to go home. So I walked down the street to go back to my apartment after my failed comedy club excursion. And I get a text on my phone from Joe, the manager of the club. He goes, that was creepy. <laughs> God damn it. So that That's my version of networking. I almost go into a club. And the manager texts me, what the fuck was that? And then I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm putting in my uh, dues for the industry now. I, I can go home and... <laughs> feel I've done something productive tonight or not. Jeez. 
I just want to say, I think I was too lazy to compile feedback that people gave me this week, but I actually, I think Jared, my friend Jared in Atlanta, he gives me a lot of feedback. I'm starting to get concerned that he wants to fuck me. It's like, okay, how much time are you spending listening to my podcast? Maybe you should go hang out with your wife and kids instead of sending me a series of aggressive attack texts about things I did wrong in the podcast in his eyes. Go fuck yourself, pal. <laughs> just kidding. Kind of. But he said, you know, some feedback he gave me about my interview with Mike Rossini. He's like, you're talking over him. You're not letting him, you're not letting him get his words in, and you're not letting him steer the direction of the conversation and controlling the conversational topics. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So Mike Rossini did my uh, Black Hat show last Friday, and he came in. I was like, hey man, was I talking over you and redirecting the conversation and not giving you room to to express your thoughts? He goes, no. I was like, fuck you, Jared. You know what I mean? Thanks for being a faithful listener to the pod, but also. Go fuck yourself. I'm not sure why my voice went up there, dude. Um, it's funny because I feel like stand-up uh, is the only art form on the planet where audience members do not want to be close to it. You know, like if you get tickets to see Britney Spears, front row. You get tickets to an art museum. You want to go right up to the Mona Lisa and see it. Stand-up, hard pass. Don't talk to me. I don't like to be spoken to. It's kind of funny because people like it's like this yin yang love hate relationship that I guess people have with stand up. Like I want to go see it, I want to laugh, but I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be talked to. It's like all right, all right, dude. I think one thing. Uh, I guess I'm just randomly talking about stand up comedy here at the outset of the old pod, John, the old Fun Friday pod. <laughs> this quote. <laughs> I'm sorry if I've I've read this before. Actually, I don't think I have, but there's just so many people. Not even. Uh, relegated or only solely related to stand up, but in so many disciplines, I, I imagine all creative disciplines and, you know, maybe even beyond that in the business world, there are people that don't understand how bad they are at something. And then they're just like, what, what the, why am I not getting, why am I not having success? Why don't people think I'm good? It's like, cause you're not good, dude. And this Harvard business review blog post. I love this. Here it goes. Here it goes. People who lack the skill to perform well also tend to lack the ability to judge performance, their own or others, because of this quote-unquote dual curse. They fail to recognize how incompetent they truly are. Yikes, dude. So if you have a high level of skill at something, you probably also have the ability to discern other people that have that same high level of skill. That's fucking... Oh boy. Then I was just thinking like, oh, wow, Danny, you think you're so amazing because you read some Harvard Business Review blog post. Maybe there's blind spots in my life where I, I act like that and other people are like, are you fucking kidding me? Did Danny Palmer say that? That's fucking ridiculous, dude. Jared. That Jared dude literally texted me as I was, as I'm recording this podcast. If you only knew that I was going to fuck in on him, dude. You know, okay, you guys know about these, uh, the Bitcoin laundering case. I think I talked about this a little bit last week, but... Ilya Lichtenstein, this Russian dude, and Heather Morgan, his girlfriend or wife, I guess his wife, they infiltrated the cryptocurrency exchange Bitfinex in 2016, and they stole around $71 million in Bitcoin. And then over the course of the next, uh, I guess, like six years, that balloon, the value of it ballooned up to like $4 billion, dude. The dude was 34, the girl is 31. And they would just kind of like siphon off little chunks of it and then hide it in a complex network of digital wallets and internet personas. And if they get convicted, like the Justice Department busted them, they could go to prison for up to 25 years. Oh my God, that sucks. 
I never understand why people like I understand like I understand if you're destitute, if you don't have food or water, going into a grocery store and stealing. I totally get that. I support that, frankly. But if you're like the risk reward trade off of 25 years in prison, dude. I mean, do they really think because apparently Bitcoin is like a publicly like if you have it, you can see who has it. And then if a transaction occurs, it's public and you can see the transaction occurring which I guess is why they tried to siphon off small amounts. But the fucking audacity, man. Like, I was reading about their, like, story and, and how they tried to, like, evade the law. And they are fucking maniacs, bro. <laughs> and it's so weird because they interviewed, like, their friends and acquaintances. And they were like, well, this is just not what we thought that they were. Which is a, kind of the classic thing that you always hear about the guy that, you know kills everybody in his office or whatever and it's like the neighbors are like oh he's so quiet such a nice guy always friendly and even that story recently with the lady that um they the mother and father kidnapped their own daughter and kept her in this like crawl space i think this was in like uh, upstate new york yeah and they finally the police caught them it's like the neighbors were like oh my god they were so nice we would come over and they would have parties can you imagine having a fucking party and you have a little girl hidden under your underneath your fucking stairs and then you're just like out there in the living room, just like being social and, oh, how's your week going? Oh, yeah, I love that show. Dude, what the fuck? I mean, you know, I've been reading these articles in uh, Psychology Today about your true self and what that actually is. And a lot of people think that their authentic self is their like most highly idealized version of themselves. But that's actually not really the case. And we all kind of present this. It's like your Instagram persona, you know, that you present to the world. We want that to be who we actually are, but it's not. And so that's why a leading contributor of why people have um, uh, imposter syndrome or imposter complex, whatever you call it. Because this psychotherapist wrote this article and he's like, so many people come in to my office with imposter syndrome and they have a variety of success across a variety of like uh, industries and you're, you're not an imposter. He starts to talk to the reader. He's like, you actually are not what you think that you are. And he had a great like kind of like closing um set of advice to the article so the author I, I guess i should give this guy credit the author of this article is eric Janazzo, phd he's a writer and clinical psychologist in private practice in seattle washington i think they could just say seattle we don't need the comma washington anyways he, he was talking about just what i was saying so we may believe erroneously of course that the smooth instagram exteriority of others is a reflection of their inner conviction and utter lack of any anxiety or darkness to be managed Others have achieved true mastery while we only pretend to. The truth is, to be genuinely fit for a role, any role, we must be able to successfully manage the pieces of ourselves that do not fit within it. We must manage our doubts. We must manage our shadowy pieces, our aggression, our covetousness, our selfishness, our frailties. We all must curate our interiority to show up in the ways we need to, professionally and often personally. To do this well is not to be a fraud. It is to be the genuine article. Just read a memoir, if halfway decent and at least fractionally honest, of anyone, anyone at all. Even so, I know many of you will be thinking, well, yeah, okay, it makes sense, but not for me. I really am kind of a fraud. And the overwhelming likelihood is that despite the intensity of that feeling, you are not. You are, however, plagued by the same secret doubt and shadow that is the baseline challenge for any living human being. And if you've gotten through this day so far largely and convincingly showing up in your chosen roles as though that weren't the case, I sincerely congratulate you on a job well and truly done. Dude, very nice essay. 
very, very nice. I love all the things that he says, you know? It's like, just because you have to um, not be a fucking, you know, selfish maniac when you're in public doesn't mean that the image you present of yourself is fraudulent. Of yourself is fraudulent. I mean, we can't just be all in our own heads, just, you know, your kind of lowest basis self at all times. That's insane. And you have to put on roles and personas to do your job or to be a spouse or to be a friend. So that's not fraudulent activity. That's just part of being a human being and adapting to different circumstances. So no need to beat yourself up and say you're a fraud. Anywho, I love that kind of shit. Back to this fucking, these Bitcoin thieves, man. Maybe they should have spent more time reading psychology today and working to improve themselves instead of laundering money, dude. The, the crypto space has always been seen as a safe haven for criminals, said Christopher Tarbell, a former FBI special agent who helped lead the investigation into the Silk Road online marketplace for illegal drugs and other illicit goods. Remember that shit, dude? I guess it, I don't even know if that's, I wonder if that thing is still going on. People are selling fentanyl and shit like that. But uh, the cops are getting smarter. They understand how to infiltrate Bitcoin and or cyber currency fraud and money laundering, dude. So, um, and it's funny because they interviewed this lady, Sandra Rowe. She leads the Global Blockchain Business Council, um, and she said the arrests play into the narrative that the crypto community is populated by dubious and fringe characters, which is not the case. There are adults in the room, and then they said that dude, crypto is going to grow into a multi-trillion-dollar industry responsibly. I'm like fuck. Should I go work in crypto? I don't know. What the fuck? But it sounds boring, dude. I know it's like cool to talk about crypto, but it also seems extremely boring. So this lady, uh, Miss Morgan, the Bitcoin launderer, she, she's kind of blowing up. I was about to say, sorry if you've already read this, but whatever. Who cares, Danny? Just fucking talk about the thing you're talking about. Um, she recorded this video at a brunch. She marveled at the size of her pancakes, sneered, stuck out her tongue, and wagged her fingers before announcing that she is offering a commentary about consumerism and social media's superficial nature. You're being <laughs> critical of consumerism as you're laundering literally billions of dollars, dude? Are you fucking crazy? And this one Twitter account saw all these posts that she did and she goes he goes okay the hackers are not cia they are idiots <laughs> she had this alter ego Rosalcon, like genghis khan but with more pizzazz she says but dude it's 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 kind of it's so sad because her friends um give like honest commentary about her and like the good nature that she had um her friend morgan Brittany sonnenfeld said she works to free herself from a lot of the scripts that are embedded in our society i admire her for that she has a lot of strength um, even though the news coverage made her sound a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm not sure you're going to be really impressing people of your wonderful nature when you're being a giant piece of shit trying to steal millions of dollars. Look, sorry, not millions, Danny. Billions, as stated. Um, and then, so this lady who said that she's her cousin was like, I wonder why do they want people looking at her? Who are we not looking at? Why are they choosing this specific person? Um, I think part of it could be that they were trying to steal billions of dollars would be one reason that they picked that they chose that specific person. I mean, I guess it makes sense if it is your cousin or somebody you're close to and you feel like they're being targeted, you want to defend, you know, those around you. But dude, if my fucking brother or like parents, like whoever the closest person is to me in my life, if they tried to money launder $4 billion, I wouldn't be like, why'd they pick you, dude? <laughs> you're nice. Dude, it's a massive crime. Come on, bro. Another friend that she has, Nora Poggy, said it is very jarring to think someone so open and vulnerable with people would have secrets. She is someone I care a lot about. Oh, that sucks, you know? 
So yeah, they fucking she d- tried to do a bunch. Of, they tried to do a bunch of small complex transactions, and to conceal the path of the stolen Bitcoin, and it just didn't fucking work, dude. I, I wonder how the government figured that out. You know, like how do you? It sounds like a like a really boring segment of criminal uh, pursuit for the Department of Justice or the FBI or whatever. Like you just gotta like monitor a series of complex, nebulous financial transactions, dude. Fuck. I think I'd rather like wait tables and you can talk to people than dig through that shit. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, dude. It just sounds too intricate and complex and dull. Although this shit's kind of interesting. They found over 50 electronic devices in her house. They also found $40,000 in cash and substantial amounts of, of uh, foreign currency. Uh, but, dude, it's, okay, and this other thing that's so sad, like, their parents seem so sweet. Like, the guy's dad came to Russia, came to the United States from Russia when he was six. His father works for the Housing Authority of Cook County, Illinois, where Chicago is, and his mother is a biochemist at Northwestern. Dude, can you imagine being a fucking biochemist at Northwestern? And you're, you know, trying to raise a good family, and then your son does this massive fucking crime. And then every day you get a good... And plus, Northwestern's like a really respected university. Biochemistry, obviously, an insanely tough field and discipline, and now she got this hanging over her head. Oh, poor lady. And then... Um, the lady runs a consult. Sorry, the criminal lady <laughs> runs a consulting firm. Her dad uh, served in the U.S. military and is a retired biologist, and her mother is a high school librarian. Man, you thought the biochemistry department at Northwestern was going to shoot you some glares? A high school librarian. Those other librarians are probably going to be like, tisk tisk tisk. And and then so they they went to court and the they were trying to like get released on bail and they were trying to, their lawyers were trying to demonstrate that they wouldn't be flight risks. And apparently uh, the lady had frozen several of her embryos at a hospital in New York in anticipation of starting a family. So her lawyer was like, they would never flee the country at the risk of losing access to their ability to have children. Yeah. You know what? I'm not sure massive criminals are going to be able to retrieve their eggs from a New York hospital when they're behind bars. Like I'm not really sure I, I buy that, <laughs> but the federal judge did not allow them to be released. They're highly sophisticated criminals. Although, are they so highly sophisticated criminals? Like all these, all these social media postings, dude. Okay, this is the end of this. Is, I'll stop talking about this. Um, in the dude's office, they found the Russian criminal dude. They found FBI agents found two hollowed out books whose pages appear to have been cut out by hand to create secret compartments, and the secret compartments are empty. Dude, what is this fucking national treasure? Is not that, that Brendan Fraser movie? Like, what are you doing? Just the most like. What's the word? Like basic bitch criminal activity. Oh, we cut a compartment into a book, dude. The feds will never catch us. And then this is, dude, this should be a good look. I wonder if they're ever going to make a movie about this couple. Cause this would be a good scene. They were about to, um, uh, leave their apartment when the agents were about to begin their search. And then the lady was like, Oh, miss Morgan. Um, she's like, can I get my cat? It's under the bed. So she crouched by the bed. She called out to the cat and then she positioned herself next to a nightstand that held one of her cell phones. She then reached up and grabbed the phone and reportedly hit, sorry, repeatedly hit the lock button in what prosecutors say was an apparent effort to make it harder for investigators to search the phone's contents. <laughs> what a fucking pathetic moment of her life that was. Can you guys just let me get my cat? Lock, lock, lock. The agents had to wrest the phone from Miss Morgan's hands. Court records provided no further information about the cat. Well, that's how this article ends. Come on, guys. Do we need this fucking snarky little comment at the end obviously the cat is not involved in the crime wait is this cat a criminal arrest the cat dude i literally can't stop watching nancy sinatra's video these boots are made for walking i truly love it i keep listening to it over and over it's like i like it more now than i would like it when i first heard it it's so good it's three minutes of menace and then 15 seconds of fun at the end at the end it's like dun 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 
dun, 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 dun. Okay, I heard this like quote, quote, no, cheer, a toast, Jesus, Danny, in uh, Game of Thrones. And the one dude raised up his glass and he goes, what do we say to the God of death? And the answer is, not today. And then I told my coworker, uh, Kyle, about that. And I was like, oh, is that a great toast? She's like, no, that's stupid. I was like, God damn it. I thought it was pretty good, man. Why are you going to be so mean, jerk? <laughs> do you guys want to hear about brain foods? <laughs> Should I just end the pod? Yeah, dude, 20 minutes. I think I'm going to try to start targeting 20 minutes for these fucking fun Friday pods. I don't know if anybody wants to sit and listen to my voice for 30 fucking minutes. Just condense and comprise your material, Danny. We'll do the brain foods next week. Come out to Black Cat Friday, LES. Black Cat Friday's on the LES. Lower East Side for you non-New York losers. Just kidding. You're nice. Please come visit. Every Friday night at 9, I'm Danny Palmer NYC on Instagram. Hit me up. Nobody ever does. Have a fun fucking weekend, you fucking dudes. Oh, one quick final. Shout out to my friend Jared for critiquing my podcast. Go fuck yourself, pal. Go fuck yourself. Just kidding. Hugs.